season. And uh, we want to thank you for coming. If it's your first time here, grateful to have you here with us today. Uh, we're going to have a great time together. What, a, what an amazing worship time we had together this morning. I, I, I tell you what, there's something about coming together and lifting up the name of, the, name of Jesus. There's something that happens in the house. And so grateful that we have a team of musicians and leaders that lead us in, in, in worship. We're so grateful for these guys and all that they do. Uh, today, sitting on the front row is, for the very first time, is my granddaughter, Summer Jane. Yeah, so pumped about that. And uh, even she was able to weather the crazy storm that is keeping so many people locked in their doors. My one-week-old granddaughter was able to make it here today. Praise the Lord. Thank you so much. Thank you for all of you that, that helped us with our parking. Anybody notice a little bit of change in the parking setup? I think it's going to be beneficial. We know there's going to be little problems and tweaks that have to be made, but um, grateful that you guys all uh, didn't, didn't take any of our parkers out, and uh, you, you listened to them and obeyed them and helped them today. And, and uh, hopefully we can create a, a parking procedure that can allow more cars here. That's what we need. We we need to get more vehicles on the street and make it easy for people to come and get right into the house of the Lord. So thank you for your help. Um, thank, thank you to all of the volunteers that made it happen in the pouring rain. I pulled up this morning. These guys were out there at 7 a.m. 7 a.m. All right. We have two services. If you don't know that, we have two services. They were parking at 7 a.m. At 7 a.m., it was pouring rain, and, and they had cones set up, had it all wonderful. We want to thank those guys for all of their, their hard work. Amen. Also, today, if you didn't notice, when we were walking in, right when, you, right when you came in to the left, there was a bunch of bags and gifts there like these that are right here at my feet, and these have been brought in by some of you. You, you sponsored a child that's a part of the Orange Unified School District. We're, we are partnering together with Orange Unified to provide um, some, some necessary items, shoes, jackets, a, a small gift for homeless and foster children that are in the Orange Unified School District. They've identified those, and uh, we've, we've des decided to partner with them. I, Carrie and I, we brought our gifts in this morning. I know many of you did as well. They are due today. And so I know there's, there's a list of, of, of bags that are not there, and they're kind of wondering, well, what happened? And so um, may, maybe you forgot yours or whatever the case may be. Tomorrow afternoon, we're turning those in. And so if there's any chance that you could, if you forgot yours or you, 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 it slipped your mind and you need to take care of that today, if you could do that and bring it to us and kind of coordinate with the team that's in the back, uh, that would be fantastic. Amen. Thank you so much for those of you that have, have, have done that this, this holiday season. Amen. A couple quick announcements for the, for the holidays. We have this week, we're calling Elevate Street Teams. And so we've got a, a group of people that are saying, you know what, we want to spread the love of Christ in, in, within our community this holiday season. And so we've got four teams that are going to be going out on Friday night and Saturday night. And basically, this is what it's going to be. These guys are going to have um, hot chocolate I'm talking good hot chocolate. We're not talking about watered down hot chocolate. We're talking about like, like creamy hot chocolate with whipped cream all over the top, okay? We're going we're gonna to take hot chocolate to, the, to the, the city plaza here at the Orange Circle and some other locations, and we're just going to give away hot chocolate, and we're going to invite people to our Christmas services here at Elevate Ministries. And so that's going to be happening on Friday night. Uh, if that's something that you're interested in, I hope there's some people that say, you know what, that sounds like fun. I'd like to do that. I, I'd actually like some hot 
hot chocolate for myself. Well, you can come on Friday night at 6.30. Rich and, and, and a team will be here, and there's gonna, they're going to split up several different locations that are going to be hit. And then on Saturday at 6 o'clock, meeting right here once again, and I believe Johnny and Jen are going to be leading a team, and I think John and Hazel are going to also be leading a team on Saturday. And so four different groups into four different areas. We're just going to share the love of God. And so we'd love for you to join those Elevate Street teams Friday and Saturday. Next Sunday is our E-Kids uh, Christmas production of Elf, all right? And it's, 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 it's going to be kind of like the movie Elf, but not totally like it, because I'll just, I'm just going to do a spoiler. The elf is getting saved, okay? The elf is meeting Jesus next Sunday, so we're going to have a great time. Our kids have been working really hard, and uh, uh, we're, we're looking forward to all that they're, that they're going to do next, next Sunday. Bring family and friends. It's a great, great opportunity to, to, to bring them out and invite them to church. Then on, then on Christmas Eve's Eve, so that's Friday night, the 23rd, two days before Christmas, Christmas Eve's Eve, at 6 p.m., we're going to have a wonderful musical Christmas storytelling. Um, it's going to be a tremendous time. When you pull up, we're going to have a bonfire in the street. We're going to be having s'mores out there. There's going to be hot chocolate for everyone, uh, and, and then we're going to have a presentation in here. What, what, a, what a great opportunity to bring someone to church with you. Maybe a family member, a friend, a coworker, somebody, somebody's looking to find out what the real meaning of Christmas is, and our team is putting together a great service on Christmas Eve's Eve, uh, the 23rd. Amen. Let's get into the word this morning. What do you say? Can we do that? If you've brought an offering or a tithe to give to the Lord, uh, we thank you for that. If you, if, you, if you don't know how to give here, there's envelopes behind the chairs. Uh, you can give with cash or check that way and just drop right in the, in the giving box on your way out of, out of service this morning, or you can give electronically. And, and let's just remember Jesus in this season. I know it's so easy. Like We've, we, we've all got a list of all of the different people that we need to, we need to take care of uh, at Christmas. Don't, don't, don't remove Jesus to take care of Uncle Tom, all right? Let's not, let's not do that. Let's, let's, let's make sure we put Jesus first at Christmas. What do you say? Sound good? Amen. Let's get into the word this morning. Uh, I want to preach a message called Joy to the World. Joy to the World. And we're right in the middle of our theme that we started last week. And that theme is Behold. Somebody turn to your neighbor and say Behold. behold. Yeah, Behold. Behold is one of those, those words that we don't use very much. It's a word in the English language. Probably, I, I looked it up, it was close to 2,000 times it's actually used in the Bible. So it's one of those terms that, that is kind of a biblical term, old-fashioned. You don't go around using it at, at home or, or at work. You don't use that term very often. But if it's, if it's used 2,000 times in the Bible, probably important we know what it means. And so um, a lot of times you'll hear this term used often uh, during the Christmas season because everybody starts talking old-fashioned, especially angels that are flying from, the, from, from whatever play you go to, coming from the ceiling. They're going to use the word behold. And the word behold, literally, all it means is don't miss this. That's all it means. It means don't miss this. Whatever you do, what I'm, what's about to come out next, I don't want you to miss this. I don't want you, I don't want you to, to, to somehow uh, not, not be paying attention right now. Don't miss this. And what's so interesting is, is I think when we look at the, at the story of Christmas, one of the things that's glaring in that story is that so many people, even though Jesus was prophesied, even though everyone knew a Messiah was coming and a Savior was going to be born, even though all the details were, were pointing to, to Jesus on that very day, yet so many people missed it. 
So many people missed it right there live. It happened, and they were there, and, and they missed it. And I think that's, that same thing is still holding true in our culture today, is that, is that we have all of these lights and, 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 and gifts and, and, and celebrations and all of these parties and all the things that are going on, yet so many people miss the reason behind the season, the reason behind all of the, the, the things that's going on at this time. So many people miss that Jesus is the reason for the celebration of Christmas. And so this morning, Joy to the World comes from that, that famous hymn uh, by Isaac Watts, and maybe we could sing it together. Can we do that? You know, what, you know how it goes? Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart. It's only Brent. Come on, guys. And heaven and nature sing. Come on. And heaven and nature sing. And very nice. And nature sing. All right. So Joy to the World, we've heard that so many times. It's that famous hymn by Isaac Watts, but it, it actually is, it, it's, it's because of a story. And the story is found in Luke chapter 2, the famous Christmas passage we'll read together today, beginning with verse number 8. And the Bible says, now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And there's that word, and behold, don't miss this. An angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord showed around them, and they were greatly afraid. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger, and suddenly... There was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying. Now I want you just to stop right here. When heavenly hosts are saying anything, it should get your attention. All right, heavenly hosts are saying something, and when heavenly hosts are speaking, they're speaking from a different realm than we speak. They're speaking from a different perspective than we have. They're, they're speaking from a different vantage point because they're coming from somewhere. They're coming from heaven. And so when they're proclaiming anything, they're pre proclaiming a perspective that we don't have. And so the angels are, 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 they're not entangled in our mess. They're not entangled in our world. They, they, they are coming from the presence of God. And so when they speak, they're speaking from that perspective. And so what are they saying? They're saying in verse 14, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace and goodwill toward men. So, so the angels are saying that there is peace, all right? There's, there's great joy, there's peace on earth, and there's goodwill to men. And where is it coming from? It's coming from a place. It's coming from heaven. And verse 15, the Bible says, So it was when the angels went back to heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with, with great haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they, they had seen him, they made him widely known, which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at the things which were told to them by the shepherds. But Mary kept in all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told to them. Amen. So I want to just share a few quick thoughts from this passage this morning. And, and the first thing is this, to and from, to and from. In order to, for there to be something 
to someone, it first has to come from someone. Sound, sound realistic? So on Christmas, I'm usually, I'm usually Christmas Day, I'm usually Santa. So early in the morning, uh, all, all our family gets together, and there's, there's gifts under the tree, and, and everybody's sitting around. It's kind of that awkward time where, like, everybody's like, I want to tear into these gifts, all right? And so, so there I am. I go under the tree, and I'm, I'm, I'm in there searching, and I don't care what size the package is. What it, I'm just trying to find who it's from and who it's to. And so there's going to be there's going to be some gifts that are from mom and dad to Jordan or Drew or Abby. There's going to be gifts from grandma and grandpa to them. Now there's going to be gifts from another grandma and grandpa, which is going to be weird. Uh, to, you know, there's going to be all those. There's going to be gifts that are going to say to my beautiful wife Carrie from your unbelievably handsome husband. There's going to be there's going to be gifts like that. And 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 and, and here's the thing: everything that has a two is coming from someone. It's coming from someone. So the angels came and they said joy to the world and they can say that because they're coming from a place of joy. So they can bring joy to the world because they come from a place of joy. And so, and so here's these angels, this heavenly host, and what they're saying is, is that what we have, what we, what, what we have come from, now we're giving to you. And they said this, on earth there is peace because we come from a place of peace. Isn't that right? They say we come from heaven and there's goodwill to men because we come from that type of place. Now here's the truth. Most people, when they think about God or when they consider God, they, they think of God as this mighty smiter up in the clouds. Like he's this mighty smiter waiting on the edge of a cloud and he's waiting for you to mess up. He's waiting for you to screw up. He's waiting for you to blow it. And as soon as you do, he's gonna swoop down from the edge of that cloud, that cloud and blast you. He's, just gonna, he's, just, he's got this massive heavenly hammer waiting for you to mess up. And I wanna tell you today that God didn't create you so that when you mess up, he can smite you or rub your face in your own mess. He created you in a different, from a different perspective. I think a lot of times we view God with a wrong perspective. And I think the reason we do that is because we view ourselves a certain way. Do you know what I'm talking about? But here's the truth. You were created in joy for joy. There was joy in God's heart when he created you. When God created you, there was no labor, there was no lament, there was no sadness, there was no disappointment in God's heart when he finished you. How do you know this? Well, we, we, all you have to do is look at creation. So we know that God created pretty much everything in five days. Like he, he created the earth and the water and, and each day God created several things and at the end of the day he would look back at what he had finished and he said, it is good. So God would look at the oceans and the, and the, and the, and the birds and the, and the fish and, and you know, all these different things. And he would look back and he'd say, it is good. Day one, it is good. Day two, it is good. Day three, it is good. Day four, it is good. I mean, God's creating this masterpiece. Day five, it is good. And then God gets in heaven, gets together with the Trinity, and, and he says, let us make man in our image. 
Let's give them dominion. Let's, let's, let's allow them to, 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 to multiply and, 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 and be fruitful and fill the earth and subdue and have dominion. Let's create man in our own image. And so on day six, God created man and he stepped back and the Bible says, now this, he said, this is very good. So everything to this point has been good, but when God created you, he said, very good. What that says is you upgrade creation. Did you hear that today? You upgrade creation, all right? The Lord made man in his image and in his likeness, and he said, it is very good. You upgrade creation. It is because of you that creation went from good to very good. Somebody say amen. A lot of us, we struggle with this concept. And the reason we struggle with this concept is because I have to live with me. I have, to, I have to live with me. If I didn't have to live with me, it'd be so easy to believe the word of God. You know what I'm talking about? Like if, if I didn't have to live with me, because I live with me, I know all of my shortcomings. I know all of my failures. I know all of my transgressions. I know everything, every thought. I know everything about me. And so when I see what God says, it's easy for me to believe that for someone else. But when it comes to me, it's hard for me to believe it because I live with me. I think the reason is because we're born into a fallen world, right? I mean, we're b born into a world that's built on this performance scale. We, we enter into, cre into creation, and, 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 and right from the very beginning, when you first got into school, you began to learn that if I do well, well, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to be rewarded. So I go to school, if I do well, I'm going to get a, an A on the test, and I'm going to get a big smiley face. I'm gonna get a scratch and sniff sticker on my, on my test. Like, if I do well, I'm, I'm gonna be rewarded in some way. I'm gonna get a pat on the back. But if I don't do well, I'm gonna get a big red F in red marker circled on the paper, all right? I'm gonna have to explain why I, was, I failed in this way. And so, at a very young age, we begin to live with this pressure to, that we have to do well. The problem is, is that messes up our relationship with God. And, and, and the thing you need to grab a hold of today is, is God didn't make you or create you to be a human doing. He created you to be a human being. And so God sees beyond our failures. He, he sees beyond our shortcomings, our weaknesses. He sees beyond our struggles or our in, inabilities. And God, God looks at us and he sees the intrinsic value of you of you. you. You may not be perfect, but you are the only version of you that he has. Did you hear that today? You are the only you that's ever been created. God loves you. And that's why if you are away from God, it grieves his heart. Did you hear that today? And so God is relentless. From the day you're born until the day you breathe your last breath, God will be pursuing you because he loves you. He's chasing you, not because he only goes after the good or the holy or the perfect or the people that got it all together. He goes after you because you're the only you that God has. Maybe you could kind of relate it to you. Maybe if you're a parent today, you could understand this. Like, 
Have you ever gone to the beach and lose one of your kids? Anybody done that before? Like, like you've gone to the beach and you're sitting there and you're building sandcastles with Susie and you're playing with Susie and having a great time with Susie and, and all of a sudden you, you just have this weird feeling like someone's missing. And so you turn around and Johnny's gone. Like Johnny's gone. And so you're like, you're like freaking out and Susie's like, can we keep making sand? No, we can't. And, you're, and all of a sudden you start looking around and Johnny, you start calling Johnny and, and you, you go tell the lifeguard, everybody, Johnny is Johnny in the beach anywhere come see your parents at lifeguard station number 15 like everybody's everybody's looking for Johnny you're freaked out about Johnny all right that's how we react we don't react like this babe I don't know where Johnny is it's okay because we still got Susie like like Susie's <laughs> it's not a big of a deal like we've got another one we don't react like that why because we love Johnny because he belongs to us are you with me today God is like that with you there's seven billion people on this planet, and it doesn't matter to God until he has you. He'll leave all the other ones just to get to you. And, and you may say, but I'm, I'm messed up. I'm, I'm not perfect. Let me tell you something. God's not looking for that. He's not looking for perfection. He looks through our mess to the intrinsic value of who you are that he only has won you and he won't be satisfied until he has you. And so the truth is today, none of my kids are perfect, but that doesn't change how much I love them. None of my kids have, them all, have it all together, but that doesn't change my love for them. I love them because they're mine. And God doesn't love you because you're perfect. He loves you because you're his. Somebody say amen today. And, and because of that, just like the angels were declaring that day, there is goodwill toward men because God loves you. And so for in order for you to have and experience real joy, you have to know where joy comes from. You've got to know. And there's, there's a lot of things that can promise joy. There's a lot of people that will promise joy, but you'll find over and over again they'll be unable to deliver because joy is a byproduct of heaven and nowhere else. Joy comes from heaven. And that's good news today for you because God's not holding back. God wants to fill you with joy. He wants to fill you with unspeakable, unshakable, uncomparable joy. He wants to give joy to you from heaven. Somebody say amen. The Bible says in James 1 that every good and perfect gift comes from above. It comes down from the Father. Everything good, you can count on it this morning, it comes from God. When you were created, you were created in joy for joy for joy. And as a result of that, there's going to be stuff that you enjoy. There's going to be things that you enjoy. What, is, what does enjoy mean? Enjoy literally means enjoy. When you enjoy something, you are full of joy. You have, you're in joy. Drew and Lisa enjoy being parents. They've been parents for just a little over a week, and every time we see them, they're having a blast. They're enjoying it. Drew's getting his nose sucked on, and, 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 and Lisa's in, in heaven. They're enjoying being parents. Carrie enjoys being a grandmother. She loves it. She can't wait. Like, what are we doing tonight? Uh, what do you want to do? I want to go over and see Summer, all right? And I enjoy being a grandfather, all right? We, we enjoy certain things. Uh, some of us enjoy being outdoors. 
I know my dad, he loves, he enjoys boating. Some of you would enjoy sailing. Some would enjoy surfing or hunting, fishing, camping. Some of us enjoy hiking or snowboarding or skiing or being up in the mountains. Some of us in this room enjoy solitude. Like if you were to talk to Brent and Cindy, who have a bunch of kids, they enjoy peace and quiet. They, in, they in, enjoy when our babies are finally asleep and tucked away for the night and we have peace and quiet, all right? We enjoy life. We enjoy relationships. We, we enjoy coming to church. Somebody say amen to that. We enjoy food. We, we enjoy cooking. We, we enjoy trying new things. Some of us enjoy sports. I enjoy watching the Cleveland Browns. I know you don't understand that, but that brings me joy. Some of you enjoy watching the Raiders, and that's even worse, all right? <laughs> I enjoy going paddle boarding. I, I enjoy being with my kids. But here's the thing. All of us have different things that we enjoy. The problem with enjoying things is that all enjoyment has a duration. Are you hearing that today? Everything that we enjoy has an expiration date. And so while I'm doing the activity, while I'm, while I'm involved in it, I'm enjoying in it. There's joy in it. The problem is, is that it always comes to an end. Are you with me? The vacation is over. You enjoyed the vacation, but, you, but, but, but finally the day is over and you've got to come home. Or, or you're enjoying that peace and quiet, but then the kids wake up, you know? You're enjoying being, being out on a paddleboard, but all of a sudden uh, your feet fall asleep and you've got to, you, you're, you're turning numb and you need to be done with it. You, you enjoy food, but there comes a point where it's not enjoyable anymore, all right? You, you enjoy being up in the mountains, but then you have to come down. You enjoy opening gifts, but then they're opened and done with. You, you enjoy Christmas and decorations and the season, but then the decorations come down. The lights turn off. Enjoyment has an end date. Did you hear that today? You understand that? And what can happen is, is enjoyment. If our life is built on enjoyment, what can happen is our life kind of becomes this vicious cycle of anticipation. Of, I can't wait for this, and I can't wait to go there, and I, I can't wait to do this, and I can't wait to get this, and I can't wait to have this, and I can't wait for, for the holidays, and I, I can't wait to put up decorations. And here's the thing, we're meant to enjoy all it comes from. It'll never satisfy, and it will end up becoming a joy thief. It'll rob from you. But I want to tell you something. There's a joy that the Bible says that supersedes. There's a, there's a joy that's transcendent, that regardless of what's going on, regardless of what you're involved in, there's a joy that you can have regardless, and it comes from Jesus himself. And this is what the angels were saying. They were saying, behold, hey, don't miss this. There's joy coming to the world. That as we, we read the story, we think, well, that's just you know a random city that you know, just kind of was, God picked, and it's just kind of a random city on the map, almost like, like God kind of spun a globe and kind of stuck his finger on it, and wherever it stopped, that would be the city that he would use to, to bring Jesus into the world, but, but that's not the case. Bethlehem wasn't a random city on a map. Actually, God wrote Bethlehem into the story from the very beginning. This week, in the Bible reading plan, we're going to be reading the book of Micah, and you'll see in Micah chapter 5, 500 years before Jesus was ever born, God was speaking about Bethlehem, and, and he says this in Micah 5, verse 2, but you, O Bethlehem, 
who are too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you shall come forth for me. One is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient of days. And what, base, what Micah is saying in this text is that Bethlehem may be small, it may be kind of an insignificant city. You probably haven't heard much about Bethlehem. But from this small but mighty city, a ruler, a savior would come. Now, when you think about Bethlehem, the word Bethlehem comes from two words. The first would be Bethel, which means house of God. So Bethlehem, Bethel, house of God, and Lehem actually means bread. I think it's kind of cool that Bethlehem is literally translated house of bread. It's great that, that the bread of life would be born from the house of bread. It, it kind of makes a lot of sense that way. But, but so you got these angels, and they're showing up into Bethlehem, and they make their, their, their presence known to some shepherds. Some shepherds in Bethlehem. Uh, some flocks on some hills in this small, insignificant city of Bethlehem. I mean, why didn't the angels appear to, to, to shepherds in Galilee, which would have been Jesus' hometown? Why, why didn't they, they appear to, to shepherds in Capernaum, or these areas that are filled with pasture lands that were known for their flocks? But these shepherds were from this small, insignificant little city on the outskirts of Jerusalem, by the, by the name of Bethlehem. Now, here's the thing. Nothing in the Bible is an accident. It's there for a purpose. And what, if you look at the details of Scripture, you can find God all throughout the details. And, 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 and so in the birthing of Christ, in the birthplace of Christ, in the swaddling cloths that were used, in the manger that he was laid in, the town that he was born, all of these details are significant in the story. And so here's these angels. They appear to these shepherds in Bethlehem. And Bethlehem is a small city just on the outskirts of Jerusalem. Jerusalem would have been the main town. It's the city of David. Jerusalem was the place where the temple is located. Jerusalem is the place where all of the families would come over and over again throughout the year to, to make their sacrifices. Jerusalem is the location where everyone would come to celebrate all of the different festivals that had been going on for hundreds of years in preparation for the Messiah. Jerusalem was centric to everything that these people would have known. And, and so for centuries, before Jesus would ever arrive on the scene, sacrificial lambs were born and raised in Bethlehem. Are you guys with me today? All right, come on, lean in a little bit. And these lambs would have been born and raised in Bethlehem and then led by shepherds to Jerusalem where they would be sacrificed to God. And so here's, here's these shepherds on a hill in Bethlehem, and they're, they're leading their flocks. And where are they leading their flocks? They're leading their flocks to Jerusalem for the sacrifices. They're tending their flocks at night. These weren't ordinary shepherds. These shepherds had one job. They weren't, they weren't, raising, they weren't raising lambs so that you could go down to Stater Brothers and get some lamb chops. That's not why they, they were raising lambs. They weren't raising lambs so that we could shear them and have 100% cotton t-shirts. That's not why they were raising, raising lambs. 
They weren't raising lambs for any other reason than to provide lambs for the sacrifices that would take place weekly, annually, uh, all the different occasions in Jerusalem at the temple. Are you with me today? And so here's these shepherds. They're leading their, their, these lambs to be sacrifices. They were, they were tending their flocks, and they had one job to raise and provide sacrificial lambs. So every year at Yom Kippur, lambs would have to be sacrificed. Every year at Passover, lambs would have to be sacrificed. Every week at the Sabbath, Lambs would have to be sacrificed. And so these shepherds, one job was to raise lambs and, and, and bring them to Jerusalem to be sacrificed. What's even more unbelievable is that these shepherds, when a lamb was born in Bethlehem, these shepherds would be inspecting the lambs. And they were looking for, for specific lambs that had neither spot nor blemish. And, and, and the story says that they would be inspecting these lambs in Bethlehem, and when they found one that was spotless, that was perfect, they would wrap it up in swaddling cloth so it couldn't get away, and they would place it in a manger and continue to search all the other lambs. Are you, are you with me today? If it was spotless, they would wrap it up, put it in a manger, and lay it there so that it would be set aside for sacrifice. So the angel appears to these shepherds, with this as a background and says to them basically this, hey guys, if you go to Bethlehem now, you're gonna find a sign. And, and when, you, when, you, when you go to Bethlehem, you're gonna find a sign and the sign is this, you're gonna find a baby, not a lamb, you're gonna find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And, 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 and these shepherds would have looked at each other after this interaction with the angel and they would have known right where to go. Like, that's where, they, that's where they do their business. And so these shepherds would have ran back to, to Bethlehem. They would have gone right to the inn. They would have walked right into that barn. They would have flung the doors open, and the, and the swaddling cloths and the trough that would they, they would have used, they would have seen a baby in it. And you can just kind of imagine that all of a sudden as they walked in, I mean, how, how amazing would it, would, it, would it be? Why would this be a sign to them? Well, because when babies are born, you don't, wrap them in milk rags, right? Why would this be a sign? Because when babies are born, you don't place them in a feeding trough. That's not what you do. That's not what swaddling cloths are for. What, what are they for? They're meant to, to mop up the milk when you're finished milking the, the cows. So these shepherds fling open the doors. They come into the barn, and, and Mary looks up as these shepherds come in, and they say, man, you're not going to believe what just happened. Angels told us that there would be a sign that, that, and exactly what they told us, that we'd find a baby wrapped in milk rags, laying in a, in a feeding trough. I, I mean, it's exactly what God said. I'm so grateful for a God that's in all the details. Because every single part of this is significant for us. I'm so grateful for a God who sees this little town of Bethlehem, a town that's most known for its Passover lambs. And a God that says, you know what, this is the place. 
This is the place where my son will be born. One day, he's going to die on a cross. He'll become the ultimate sacrificial lamb. And this is so important because joy is in Jesus, and Jesus is our Savior. Are you with me today? When they looked down and they saw the baby wrapped in dirty milk rags and lying in a manger, it was a beautiful picture. And the picture that it was painting of the beginning of his life was a shadow of the end of his life. The end of his life, they would also lay Jesus, our Savior, on wood. He'd be wrapped in filthy rags, but the rags wouldn't be swaddling cloths. They'd be the rags of our sin, the rags of our mess, our violations, and our failures. And and just how moments earlier Jesus had come into this world through a virgin womb, they would also place him in a virgin tomb, a virgin womb for his birth, a virgin tomb for his rebirth, for his resurrection. Jesus is joy. He is great joy because he's a savior. Somebody shout amen. And so check this out. These angels appeared to to the shepherds in Bethlehem. And the reason it was these guys is because these shepherds were raising innocent lambs that would eventually be brought to the high priest. And so these lambs will be brought to the high priest. And I just want you to picture, you guys have all seen the, 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 the little drawings of cute, beautiful, innocent, pure little lambs. You, know, you want to cuddle with them, right? You want to you pet them. You want to love on them. But, but what would happen essentially is, is these lambs would be brought to the high priest. And at that time, in order for forgiveness of sins to come, there would have to be a sacrifice, and God required the sacrifice of a lamb. And so they would bring this lamb to the high priest and the the lamb would be there in front of all of the people. And the high priest would lean on the lamb, place his hand on the lamb, and would begin to confess the sins of all of the people. And in that moment of his confession, something was happening in the spirit. There was an exchange taking place because he was confessing the, 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 the um, failures of God's people, and, and while he's confessing the failures of God's people, the pure, righteous, blameless nature of this lamb was being transferred. So the, so the sins of the people were placed on the, the, the spotless lamb, and the, and, the, and the purity, the blameless nature of the lamb was transferred to the people. And in that moment, the, the lamb would be sacrificed, the lamb would be slaughtered, blood would fill the altar, and there was an exchange that took place. The innocence of an atoner. What's, what's an atoner? It's, it's an eraser. And because of Jesus, the lamb of God, my sins have been erased. And so when I stand before God, it's gonna be a little bit interesting, all right? It's gonna get interesting because I'm gonna know all of the reasons I shouldn't be allowed in. I'm gonna know all of my failures, I'm gonna know all of my mistakes. I know all of my shortcomings. I know my thoughts. I know everything I've, I know all of my screw-ups. And so when I stand before God with that knowledge, I'm gonna know, man, there's no way I'm worthy to go in. But God's gonna say, hey, what's, what's your name? And I'm gonna say, it's, it's Adam Friedrich. And he's gonna open it up and he's gonna say, I, I, I mean, it's, you're perfect. And I'm gonna be like, Listen, a lot of people mess up with my name. It's, it's spelled F-R-I-E-D-R. I know all of my screw-ups. 
And God's going to say, I don't, I don't see anything. I don't see anything that, 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 that makes you unworthy or, or not worthy. And I'm going to know all of the reasons. But when God opens the books, he's going to see nothing to disqualify me. And it's because of the sacrifice of Jesus. Psalm 103, the Bible says, far as the east is from the west. That's how far he's removed our transgression. He erases. He, he's atoned for. Not only did he erase my sins, but he's eradicated eradicated all of our sins. He's eradicated all of our violations. And this gives me great joy today. Jesus is joy. Amen. Sin is a joy thief, and it may bring pleasure. Sin may bring momentary pleasure. It may provide a hit. But let me tell you something. In the end, it will rob you of joy. It will rob you of peace. But I want to tell you today that Jesus is the Lamb of God. He is the freedom bringer. He is the eraser. He breaks chains. He breaks addictions. He destroys the habits that we can't, we can't get rid of on our own. It's amazing all the little stupid habits we get into, isn't it? It's amazing, all of those habits, but I want to tell you something. Jesus is, is the freedom bringer. He's a deliverer. He comes in and he drives out the devil. All the things that torment you, all, all the stuff that comes after you, the anxiety that's produced in the night, he's a deliverer. He delivers you from those things that drag you down. He delivers you from anxiety. He delivers you from fear. He delivers you from torment. He delivers you from judgment. Can I hear somebody? He delivers you from guilt and from shame and from condemnation and he doesn't just forgive us he delivers you he takes you from the kingdom of darkness and transcends you to the kingdom of light he's a deliverer not only is Jesus a deliverer he is a healer he heals our minds he heals our souls he heals our bodies he heals our hearts he said it himself the spirit of the Lord is upon me he has anointed me to to do what to preach the gospel to the poor he sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Are you with me today? He doesn't just heal our physical body. He heals the brokenness of our souls. He heals the brokenness in our hearts and in our minds. He's a healer. He's a deliverer. And he is a savior. And on the cross, he was a lamb. The heavenly father placed all of our failures, all of our sins, all of our transgressions on him. On this blameless righteous, pure, innocent Savior. The worst of who you are was placed on Jesus. And the innocence and the righteousness and the perfection of who Jesus is is given to you. The worst given to Christ, nailed to the cross, and sacrificed there so that now you and I could wear the righteousness of Christ. And so let me tell you what happens because of that. When you stand before God, if you are in Christ, God doesn't see your sin. He doesn't see your mess ups. He sees the perfection of Jesus. He sees the righteousness of Jesus. That's why the Bible says in Revelations 5 that on that day, we're going to throw our crowns to him. The reward that God gives us for this life, the crown of righteousness that he places on our heads, 
we won't even be able to keep it. We're going to take that crown and we're going to, we're going to bow down and we're going to throw that crown at the feet of Jesus. And we're going to be saying, you're going to put a crown on my head? You're going to try and place a crown on my head? The only reason I can be here in the presence of God, the only reason I'm able to stand here in the glory of God, the only reason I get to experience this for all eternity is because you, Jesus, the Lamb of God, made an exchange. And the Bible says that we'll all cry out. We'll say with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Joy to the world. Joy to the world. Listen, everything that has a to begins with a from. And I want to tell you something, God wants to fill you with joy. Why? Because he comes from a place of joy. True joy can't be found in anything other than a relationship with God. And the only way you can have a relationship with God is because of Jesus. The sacrificial lamb born in a stable in Bethlehem wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger, the perfect picture of a spotless lamb necessary for the sacrifice of our sin. Joy comes from Jesus. You were created in joy for joy. But sadly, especially this time of year, what can happen to us so easily is we, we tend to look for joy in the wrong things. We get so caught up in the Christmas season and all of the stuff that's going on and all the places that we, we need to be and the gifts that we need to buy. But I'm telling you right now, joy isn't found in a gift. It's not found in a season. It's not found in, in a relationship. It's not found in, in a career. It's, it's not found in any of these things. Joy can only be found in the person of Jesus Christ. Joy to the world. So you can try to fill your time and fill your calendar and fill your life with all of these things that are created for our enjoyment, but they don't produce true joy. The only thing that will bring joy is to fill your life with Jesus. Fill your life with Jesus. Joy can only come from Jesus. Maybe we could bow our heads and close our eyes all over this room. Maybe you're just right now, you begin to think about your life all of the things that you do and all of the things, maybe even right now, you're just thinking about your life as it relates to the Christmas season. And you realize that Carrie and I were driving around yesterday and we were like, oh my gosh, like Christmas is two weeks away. And you know, like the panic just kind of comes over, like all the things that we need to get ready, all the stuff that we've got to prepare and the gifts we got to buy and the grocery store we got to go to and what are we going to eat and, and how are we going to celebrate and all. We get caught up in all of these things and it's easy, especially this time of year, to just lose sight of what this is all really about. This is about Jesus. The celebration is about Jesus. It's, it is Jesus. And the joy that we, we, we want so desperately to experience, we won't experience it in anything other than our lives being full 
of Christ. And so if I can just, if I can just challenge you right now, just all over this, just right now, I'm so grateful that you're here today, that you just checked out of the busyness of the season and said, you know what, I need to be in the house of the Lord. And I wonder if right now you just wouldn't allow the presence of God just to right now, just begin to feel this place and, and just soak in it just for a moment. God, thank you for your people. Well, thank you for your people that are here today. I pray right now, God, that our realization would be, be the same as those shepherds on a hill in Bethlehem. That our realization, that joy to the world, it comes from you. And we can only find it in Jesus. And just like those shepherds, they dropped everything that they were doing and they ran back to Bethlehem looking for that sign. I pray we would do the same thing in our hearts. I pray we would do the same thing in our hearts. That we'd lay down all of the different things that we have to do, Lord, and we go search out the source of true joy, which is found in Jesus. Maybe right now you begin to just make that prayer, God, I'm looking for you. God, I'm searching for you. God, fill my life with you. You were created in joy, for joy. You're created to hold the presence of Jesus. That's why God created your life, to be a temple of the Holy Spirit, a house for God. If you fill your house with anything other than Jesus, it'll still be empty. But when you fill it with Jesus, it'll be full to the very top. Joy to the world. Thank you, Jesus. Right now, all over this room, maybe you'd stand and say, Lord, I thank you for Jesus. Come on, would you lift your hands and say, Jesus, we're so grateful for you. We're grateful that you are a Savior. Would you just say that? I'm thankful that you are a Savior. I'm thankful that you are a Deliverer. I'm thankful that you are a Healer. God, you still save, you still deliver, and you still heal. God, fill us with you today in Jesus' name. Come on. Come on, right now, all of this room, lift your hands and love on the Lord just for a moment. Oh, thank you, God. as your savior all over this place you don't know Jesus as your savior he's a savior he came to save he came to save you maybe you're here all this room you say I want to give Jesus my life my life needs saving that's why Jesus came all over this room if you if you need saving you'd say you know what that's me I need Jesus in my life all over this room maybe lift your hands lift them high all over this room so I can see it I'd love to pray with you today Jesus would love to save you today anyone at all anyone at all all over this room amen amen he's a messiah he's a healer how many say you came today you, say, you know what i need healing i need healing i need healing of a broken heart i need healing of something physically wrong in my body i need healing of a of a, of a mindset maybe you today you say that's me i need healing anyone in this room at all come on come on everyone anyone in this room i need a healer god, god's here to heal he's here to save anybody need delivering 
You're stuck in a pattern. You're stuck in a, you're stuck in, maybe you say, that's what, that's me. I need deliverance. I need deliverance. God's a deliverer, God. He's a deliverer. He can deliver. He's saved. He can save. He, he can set free. He can heal. That's the Jesus we serve all over this room. Come on right now. If that's you and that's what you need, I just want to invite you right, right where you're at to allow Jesus to fill you all over this place. Can you do that? Can you do that? Lift your hands. Come on. Can you just sing that name, Jesus? Come on, sing it out. Jesus, enthroned upon the praises of our hearts. Come on, sing it out. Jesus, you're the king and you're the center of it all. Oh, that's right. Come on. Let's worship him this morning. Sing Jesus. Jesus, enthroned upon the praises of us. Be enthroned, Lord, yeah. Oh, Jesus. Jesus, you're the king and you're the center of it all. There is a name, say, there is a name. over our church Lord that that would be said of us Lord that for us you are first you are primary you are the source of our joy and we'll look forward to nothing else we thank you for the enjoyment we thank you for the things that you've given us Lord to enjoy throughout our life but it will never be the source of our joy we look to you and we're grateful today that you've created us in joy for joy Lord we were created to house joy we were created to house the presence of Jesus in our lives I pray we would never we would never live any other way than, than with that in, in our heart and that in our mind to put you first at the center of our life in Jesus name in Jesus name 
Amen, amen. Can we sing that chorus just one more time? Just one more time, nice and quiet. Can we do that, Jesus? Oh, sing his name. Jesus.